0: Another episode of SideQuest Podcast, the unofficial podcast of Fitocracy. If you have not started following us on Twitter, check us out at SideQuest FM. You can find us on Instagram as well at SideQuest FM. The website is now moved a little bit. Uh, you can still go to sidequestpodcast.com and it will get you there, uh, but now has combined with uh, the launching of, of my online coaching platform as well. Uh, So you can go to SideQuestFitness.com and then just click on podcast. It'll take you right to everything. Everything's all there in one, uh, all the episodes. Uh, I have some great guests lined up here in the next few weeks. I have a great guest today. Uh, He is a blogger over at Mobility 101, does some training outside of Boston. Uh, But he's a big mobility guy. I haven't had anyone on yet to chat about mobility Uh, because that is crucial if you can't move you can't work out if you can't move well then you're always dealing with pain Um, and the idea of getting into shape and getting into better shape should make you more mobile for anything Uh, but anyways I want to welcome to the show Matthew (laughs) Ibrahim thank you I had a second I was like I'm gonna say it right I'm gonna say it right and then that little like (laughs) devil came in he was like you're gonna screw this up (laughs) <laughs> well, hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it, and hopefully, I can I can be of some
1: help. I actually, as you were, kind of going through your the introduction and whatnot. I have had my eyes to the left or your right because I was on my phone, You're literally <laughs> going on your Instagram and and, and liking the uh, and
0: following just to, cool. just to ensure that we're, we're, we're a team now. Um, yeah, 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 awesome. Thank so you. Thanks for having me, man. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Um, you, I, I saw a post on online. Uh, and just dug into it and I was like oh my god I love like and then just got even deeper and deeper and then like liked your page and next thing I know you were like hey thanks for the like friend request and I'm like man this fitness industry thing is starting to get really interesting people are just like friending me I don't even know awesome awesome yeah Yeah,
1: (laughs) so that's what I um that's what I try to do and my I won't use her name because she'll probably get, get mad at me. my girlfriend so she has this thing where she doesn't like that I'm, I'm I'm always trying to connect with people on the phone I'm always doing something I'm like look it's business related you know I'm trying to like connect with people in the field and I don't like to say the word network because I just yeah. I connect with people I, I'm a people's person I enjoy conversation and I like I'm like like you know that all of my likes I've gotten on mobility 101 the, my Facebook page it's all organic it's like I haven't promoted or I haven't well I mean I promoted myself but I haven't like push the, do you want to pay $10 or $100 a week type of thing? Like, cause I, I'm so into it. The fact that I think if I can do it myself, want to do it myself. Um, and the fact that like, you know, like you said, I friended you and I always go through and I see who liked the page or who liked the post. And I literally like I'll switch from my page personally to my Mobility 101, and i will like, okay, because you can't like it on the your own page. You have to do it on your personal page. So I I'll, like, I'll, okay, I write the name down, I will copy and paste. Okay, I want to be their friend, and I do <laughs> because like I truly just want to know, like just like you reach out to me, I truly want to reach out to others and get to know what they're doing, their story, and I really enjoy the fact that you know everyone's story is never going to be here to here. It's going to be kind of like this way, that way, around a circle, and here. And to me, I enjoy learning like the ins and outs and why people did something, and why they didn't, and kind of just learning. I'm a huge advocate of learning, continuing education, just getting better and learning through people and what they've done and what they haven't done just so I can kind of make a better overall pot of stew for myself.
0: It's it's very interesting that you say that because I, I, I'm kind of the same way, uh, and I just had this thought of like I remember being younger and like listening to my grandparents like sit around. And they're just talking and they're chatting. and I'm like, this is boring. Who wants <laughs> to listen to stories all day? Let's go do something fun. They're like – you're young and you that's all you want to do but like as i get older i start to find that man my life is kind of boring other people have way better stories than i have <laughs> so it is you know like you, yeah, you no, kind yeah, of connect yeah. with people and, and i think with our generation with the internet oh it's my God. it is it has made the world so much more smaller so yeah. it's made it a lot more inter, you know interesting the stories that are out there um but you just find that most people are very much alike, and everyone does enjoy that, that connection. Um, so how did, you, how did you get into the world of fitness? How did you get to where you are now? Did you always start – like, were you an athlete? Was it always a passion? Or were you, you know, like a former fat kid who, you know, got himself into shape years later? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop a T.O. line, get your popcorn.
1: <laughs> so, so everything you said kind of um, culminates with me and, and it, it, it resonates and like that's – you kind of labeled it, but I'm going to go into the details. Um, so yeah, I mean I've always enjoyed fitness. I've enjoyed working out. Um, when I was in my early teens, I was, I was a little chubbier. I was a little chubbier and um, I got into – I've always played soccer and basketball and I love just running and exercising. Um yeah, a funny side note, my mother used to put me in the garage and lock the door because I had so much energy. and I don't know what to do with it, so I just run around and exercise. So in a way, <laughs> exercise saved my life, and my mother didn't kill me. She's probably going to kill me now, not hearing that. But anywho, I um, – so whatever, in high school played sports, soccer, uh, basketball, whatnot. I went through kind of um, a myriad of injuries, whether it was knee, um, ankle, shoulder, whatnot, just minor stuff, nothing, nothing ever major. And I, I went to physical therapy, you know, probably – for a couple of major injuries in high school and you know i was like oh like this is cool like they get to build an athlete back up or just a general person and like that's cool all right cool whatever and i kind of threw it in the back of my mind Like, oh cool physical therapy cool stuff whatever and then i would kept i kept reading like men's health and all these (laughs) fitness magazines like oh like new workout of the day or or new workout of the month or best thing to get your biceps bigger or like you know best new core exercise and i would go to the gym and and I would do them, and uh, I would be that weirdo in the corner doing those weird things that you don't know what the hell he's doing. And I'm still that person, and uh, <laughs> but I, have no, I have no I have no shame in it now. And I hope that I'd like to think I'm a little more intelligent, um, or at least continuing learning. And then you know I was doing that, and I I went to college at um, uh, UMass Boston. Didn't get into anywhere I really wanted to. Didn't take academics as seriously, um, or at least. At least as enthusiastically and like as like really like with an open eye. I was like, oh, like academics, whatever, cool. I'll go to liberal arts because I did. I was kind of undecided, and I was like, you know what? Whatever. I'll just go, just choose a basic topic and take some basic courses, and I'll just kind of see what happens from there. But I always knew I loved fitness, and then I was working out a lot, and I would do two days, three days, whether that was running to the gym, working out, running back, like some 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 pretty uh borderline insane things. Um, I would always involve physical activity in everything I did. Like I would just want to run here, run there, play soccer, play basketball, lift some weights. You know, there there were many times in the summertime when, you know, I would go to the gym in the morning. My buddies would play basketball for two hours, go home, refeed, you know, re-, re refeed the system, go play soccer at night. Like just a lot of a lot of activity. And then um, about a year, year and a half in, I was like, wow, like my school has an exercise health science program. Oh, like I, I finally opened my eyes. I was like, oh wow, like I didn't realize that. That's called uh, not paying attention to actually pay attention, which I wasn't doing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. So, um, so once I kind of dove into that, I was like, wow, like this is, this is cool. Like I really enjoy this. And I started paying attention more and grades went up. And uh, like my overall effort and everything I did was surrounded by fitness. So I uh, became a couple of years in, uh, became a certified personal trainer through the National Academy of Sports Medicine. You know, got it. It felt pretty cool. You know, it was a start. Um, I was training in and out of, like, a a local, just a commercial gym down the street from my house. And uh, I liked it. it was cool, but I was like, you know what, like, there's got to be more to this. I want more. I'm I'm hungry for knowledge, and, um, like, I just want to keep learning. And I was taking all the courses, and I was like, you know, like, this general fitness stuff is cool, but, like, what about the performance side, like the sports performance, the strength conditioning, the athletic side? Because, like I say today, um, I always, I view every human being as having an inner athlete. It's just a matter of how much effort you're going to put in to get back to that state of being and uh, that mindset. Because I think like the sports psychology aspect um, and how you view yourself is, 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 is it's tremendously important. And I think it's often overlooked. The same thing like I'll talk about later on with injury prevention and recovery. Like though I think like what you're doing for the 22 or 23 hours a day when you're not in the gym and you're not working out is monumental, uh, way more important than what you're doing when you're in the gym. And, I, and I'll touch on it later, but I think that's kind of where my mind was at and what I was thinking about. I was like, you know what, let me kind of dive into that. And luckily, uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but I think some of the viewers may have touched on it and they might know, but I live, like, very close to one of the, you know, world-class facility, uh, Mike Boyle's Strength Conditioning. It's over in Woburn. So um, through a friend of a friend, I got an internship there, and I was like, wow, like, this is it. Like, this is great. Like, I'm I'm finally going to learn from from – from some of the best, at least that's local to me. Because um, in my eyes, he's, a, he's one of the pioneers of, of the strength and conditioning field and kind of, you know, one of the biggest names in, in, the, in the field. So I interned there. Um, it was a great opportunity. Learned a lot. Um, really started to hone in on, on, like, the training philosophies and not just uh, men's health fitness magazines and, like, <laughs> UMass Boston jumbled up ideas of exercise health science field. I kind of was, you know, gr- uh, kind of coming along the path of learning, like, serious philosophies, uh, like sound science techniques and, and the whys and the hows and the like, you know, all that stuff versus just like do this because of that, you know? Right. Uh, so I was learning and I was, uh, I felt like I was getting better, but I was like, you oh, know what? Like, there's still a missing piece. <laughs> like, I, I, I want to learn. So I was like, you know what? Like, I got injured a lot and, uh, you know, maybe I should, you know, understand what it's like to be injured. So I'm in their shoes, whether it's an athlete, a five year old kid, or a 95 year old senior citizen, doesn't matter. We're all human beings, we're all athletes in my mind. To a certain degree. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Like, let me reach out to PT clinics. And um, luckily, I got I got an opportunity to work as a rehab aide at, um, at at a franchise. It's called Bay State Physical Therapy. Um, it's in Arlington, Mass., about a couple miles from where I live in Medford. And there's like 30 of them in Massachusetts. I was like, wow, like, this isn't just a clinic. This is like a franchise. Like, this is yeah. – it's, it's it's it has some notoriety. It's well-known. So whatever, I, I – uh, got The job as a rehab aide, and um, you know, for the first couple of weeks, I was like, This is boring. <laughs> it's like, I was like, People are doing squats to a table with the pole, like, this is boring. Like, you know, like, people are doing like, you know, wall push ups, and like, and they're on the table doing all these like very simple exercises. I'm like, Oh, like, do I really want to do this? Like, this is really boring because I need action, I need activity, like, I need I'm high energy, high enthusiastic, high care factor, like, I want to get going. And um, it, it took a while for me to take that high energy, and that low threshold clinical field, and kind of just kind of mesh the two. And uh, about a month or two in, I started to kind of catch my groove, um, really honing on the on the you know methodologies and, and the terms they use, the philosophies. Like, why are we doing three rounds of 30 repetitions? Well well, it's for you know, it's for you know range of motion, you know circulation and whatnot, and just. Overall repetition of simple movements under under light loads. I was like, oh, like where's the heavyweight though? But I started to kind of understand and appreciate. I think the word appreciate is very 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 good word to use. I think yeah. I started to appreciate the human body and not just what it can do at high threshold, but what it can do at low threshold to get to high threshold. And I think that that can be related to anyone in the field because we all get injured, we all go through injuries, we all need some prehab or rehab drills. We don't always have to just go snatch and clean and heavy barbell bench press and and deadlift and squat. We, you know, some people can, and, and I love it too. and We do, but there's also a different end of the spectrum. It's almost yeah. like like buying a Ferrari, right? It looks great on the outside, but it has no engine. You can't run the Ferrari if there's no engine. The engine's not functioning. And I, and I tell people, I tell everyone that, like, you get one body in life, right? If you just bought a brand new. Lamborghini Diablo with uh, with those doors that go up like that. You know what I'm talking? I don't know what, they- what are they called. Yeah, what are yeah. Those yeah, yeah. Are called? And like, oh, like you would you would clean that baby every day. You'd be bringing that sucker through the car wash like minutes, every minute, just boom, boom, clean it up. Cannot get a speck of dirt on it. Refilling the gas tank, oil changes. That thing would be in complete beautiful um, care. Like you wouldn't let a, 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 any dust go on it. Well, your body is more important than a car. You only get one. You can buy multiple cars. You can go through cars upon cars upon cars. And people don't fully appreciate, at least from my eyes, that like you get one body. So what you've done two, three, four, five years ago, 10 years ago is going to affect you in the long run. So you should take care of your body. And I think that whole idea of being in the performance field, the general fitness field, and then in the injury prevention field, I kind of think, I mean, it was backwards, you know, but I, I appreciate it more because it allowed me to learn, I think for me, in a more important way. And I, and from then I started growing and saying, you know what, this whole injury prevention, rehabilitation, um, you know, mobility recovery piece, at least in my eyes needs to, you know, needs to have some more light shed on it. I think it's more important and at least more important in terms of having it versus people not knowing about it. Because I mean, how many times have you walked into a gym, seeing someone with a lap bar pulled down, cranking behind their neck, behind their neck and like simple exercise where they're just, their posture, their technique, and their simple just, you know, base of movement is just not there. I'm like, wow, like, yeah, you can lift, you can bicep curl 50 pounds, but, like, how are your arms feeling? And, like, how close is your biceps tendon to becoming to being torn off in, or your shoulder to be uh, related to that and whatnot? So it's like, you know what? Let's kind of scale back and go through the basic bare bone movements. And then, then re, you know, re-looking at those table squats with the pull. I'm like, you know what? I actually love that. I actually want. I want to know everything in and out, so that I can teach people the proper way. Then you can add load because it's like you're. If you're making a pot of soup, like or any sort of recipe, you know you add a little bit of water at a time. If you add the whole pot of water right away, you can't take that water out you know what I mean like same thing with adding load, heavy loads and and you know resistance and, and you know plates and whatnot yeah we the goal is to get stronger I'm with you I'm trying to get stronger myself like we all want to get stronger but if your basis and your foundation to your house is quicksand it's not a good foundation that house is not going to stand for very for, for very long it's gonna go it's gonna fall down like you need to build an integrity of the foundation first, and then you can build up. You can't just build the third floor. What about the the foundation, the first and the second? And I yeah. think, and I think you know, with all these analogies, I think um, I think it helps people understand that injury prevention, rehab, and all that stuff, physical therapy is important. And um, but by no means am I someone who just goes in the gym and just like external rotation, external rotation, just a bunch of rehab drills. Like I, you know, I get after it. I push the sled. I deadlift. I I, um, I, I squat whatnot. I actually signed up for. Um, an online distance coaching program for that very purpose and also to save my, myself some time and headaches. But um, yeah, but it's been great. So yeah, sorry for jumping off topic. but no, no,
0: no, no. You're fine. I actually, uh, I, I find your, your philosophy that everyone is uh, internally, they're an athlete. Yeah. Um, very interesting because, uh, you know, I, I went to school for theater and, and there were, it was interesting because like football season would come around and there were like five <laughs> or six of us that were like, football, <laughs> but like most everyone was like, Uh, jocks god okay i'm exaggerating a little bit not everyone was like that but that was a feeling you kind of got because people would make fun of like sports um but you're right that you are that everyone is an athlete because if you're a dancer on stage you're doing athletic movements you may not be you might maybe you don't play basketball maybe you don't do football but you're still doing some of those same things i mean if if you're going to walk across stage and you know, you have to carry yourself in a certain way. Like you have to understand. Um, and I don't think some of this really started to click until I started to get to like, get into fitness that like, if you move your hip, just a half degree, like it can change. It it will change mentally how you think. Like if you just do it for a little while, um, like a friend of mine actually had me do an exercise once, uh, for, for a week where I had to start walking on my left foot and I had to count left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. Um, And I, and I noticed at the end of the week that I started to like mentally, I started to like think about things differently. Um, and I got used to like walking that way. Um, so my gait was a little different. My strides were a little shorter. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it can do some, some interesting, interesting things mentally. But let me get to my question. So where did you develop that idea that you think everyone is an athlete and how do you apply that to people who maybe come in to you as a client and they, maybe they don't have a big competitive streak inside of them like most, most athletes should. How do you bring that out? Yeah, great question.
1: So I remember um, being asked the question of what defines an athlete. I think it was in um, my strength and conditioning class at UMass Boston. I think it was my sophomore junior year. And I remember everyone had a, a variety of responses. Oh, well, being athletic. Oh, well, uh, coordination. Oh, well, you know, speed, power, strength. Like, and we put all these words on the board, right? Yeah. And then the professor, which who's actually a good friend of mine, and wrote my recommendation letter for doctorate school. Um, and uh, he, he was like, look, you know, let's simplify this. What does an athlete mean? The ability to control your body. Does that mean you need to be LeBron James? No. Does that mean you need to be, you know, uh, Tom Brady, as good looking as he is? No. You know, does that mean you need to do all that? No. Like, can you have the ability to control your body? We're not We're not. necessarily talking about low, heavy loads yet or resistance or any of these things because those will be evolved. But I'm just simply saying, can you control your body? Like, do you have the ability to control your body? Just like you do you have the ability to control your car. Um, right. Yeah. So, I mean, how do I kind of take that message and relate to, you know, the clients I work with and the patients I work with and the athletes I work with? Well, it's tough. I mean, initially at first because I think that. You know, as much as we don't want to say we're selling a product to clients, athletes, and patients, and I never like to use those terms. I don't like to sound like a car salesman because, you know, no one does. But at the end of the day, you have a philosophy. You have a way of of teaching, educating, whatever you want to teach and educate, like whatever – you know, I want to do mobility. I want to do strength, whatever it is. And the person that's coming to you, they came to you for a reason. So there is a level of interest, but there's a a kind of a meshing or, um, you know, they needed to understand – the why and the how, and then you can kind of say, you know what, now you believe in what I talk about. Now, once I say X, Y, and Z, you'll believe me right away without that questioning. So my, what I do is I'll come off and say, look, like, you know, simple basic patterns, like my basic assessment is, you know, I'll, I'll run through tests and whatnot and range of motion, this, you know, shoulder, hip, ankle, knee, whatever, and all those things. But I'll do basic movements. And I, what I think are very simple basic movements is can someone row, can they pull? Can they use their their scap stabilizers, their you know retractors? Can they can they push and then can they squat? Can they hip hinge? And then can they engage their core properly? Like if you cannot properly engage your you know transverse abdominus, that muscle that acts as a cinch, as a belt around your yeah. around your core, you know if you can't engage that properly, how are you going to have a healthy spine? How are you going to hip hinge properly? How are you going to pull properly? Your posture is never going to be you know. Sound. You need to you need to work on the basics and then we can kind of extrapolate and go outward. So from doing those basics, which I think every every human being should have the ability to do on some level, you know, and can be helped to do so, then I say look like once you have that in place, then we can work on, you know, you finding your inner athlete. You know, for some people that may be the twenty five year old, you know, female college track star who went through a couple of ankle injuries after college and looking to get back, you know, back on, on top. That may be someone who's never played sports in their entire life. And then you, what well, you touched on, the whole aspect of the competitive edge, and uh, someone who I look to for motivation a lot is Eric Thomas. He talks about always having a competitive edge. So do I think people who aren't athletes can still have an edge or a competitive mindset or at least a mindset that says, look, I want to be better than what I currently am for myself? Because to me, that still defines athleticism because t- athleticism is different for every person. You know, once you have that mindset in place, then you could say, "I I will and I can." I you know I can control my body based on doing these these you know X, Y, and Z exercises that I'm supposed to do at various levels. Because again, you know, if you're working with a you know a 65 year old uh, female client or patient, their level of athleticism is going to be much different than a 25 year old you know female college track star. So there's different there's varying levels, but at the end of the day, it's still all in my mind. You know, one big pot of soup where she's an athlete she's an athlete he's an athlete on just on different levels that's kind of how i i say it and i really think that when you know because as coaches as trainers we need to empower people uh john roman yellow who you and i both are fans of um i remember he wrote a piece or i read it somewhere where he said in personal training people do a lot of the training right but there's no there's not as much personal side and i think that part is, is huge, and it needs to be respected and appreciated more because that's where I can say, hey, look, hey look, Rob, like, you know, you have an inner athlete inside of you, and I'm going to help you get there. I can be your guide, and I think that whole connecting of the two, that bridging of the gap allows you to believe in what I'm saying, and then when I say, hey, man, like, you have an inner athlete, like, to you, that may mean something else, but at least you'll believe in me, and we can get to that end goal, so that's kind of, uh, I know it's kind of a long spiel, but that's, that's how I kind of dive into that whole, hey, everyone has an inner athlete inside of them aspect.
0: Okay, cool. Um, so reading through a few of your articles and, and oddly enough you mentioned uh, proper core function, um, which is a huge thing. The transverse abdominus um, is one thing like while stuff is printing out at work on a printer, I stand there and, and do some some transverse abdominus work because uh, might as well use my time you know, to better myself, right? Um, and uh, it just helps pass the day a little, a little better. Um, But most people, when it comes to core, I think most people, and I don't know why, I guess it's just life, fitness magazines or whatever, think crunches. They just think if I do enough sit-ups and I do enough crunches, like I'll have a strong core because everyone just assumes that the abs are the core, but they all kind of tie in and there's a little more to the core than just your, you know, six pack. So let's talk a little core function and, and mobility um, and and how do you bring that out in people? What are some exercises you give the people that anyone could do, listening to the podcast right now, um, you know, to to make their core function a little better in their daily life, as opposed to doing a thousand crunches?
1: Yeah, yeah no, definitely, yeah. So um, I'll start off with saying um, planks are my favorite core exercise, but I want to suffice that, or, or, or preface that rather, with saying that um, there are a lot of people out there who say, you know, don't do crunches, don't do sit-ups, and my thing is, you know, we can we can add flexion because you look at someone like a running back, right? When they need to get the ball and hike down, go yeah. into lumbar flex, get the ball, and come back up. So there's go, there's going to be flexion and extension and neutral in our lives. So we need to train in our lives what we'll do. You know, whatever we're doing in the gym needs to, in my mind at least, directly correlate and relate to what we're doing in sports or in the field or in our everyday lives. So, do we want some flexion? Of course. Do we want some extension. Of course. It's just I think there's a really a gray area in terms of how many degrees, or you know, how much is good enough, how much is bad enough, how, you know, what should you shouldn't do. So I will say this: Do I think it's a good idea to do a bajillion excessive flexion crunches and sit-ups? I'm not a fan of it. Um, and what, please underline, bold, italicize, and color red the word "excessive," because excessive is like going all the way one way, all the way the other way, like. Do you really need that, especially at those speeds? I would say I would I would say I'm going to avoid that. I'm not saying don't no, do it, you know, because you can do what you want, but I'm going to say I would avoid that. What I'd rather have you do is this: first, learn proper core function. What that means is, you know, type it in Google. Type in what is the transverse abdominis? What is that that major core muscle that n- people often overlook? That it's the most important. That muscle allow, allows you to brace your core and hollow out your core in a way that it protects your spine and allows you to optimally use your core in a, in a functional manner. What does that mean in, in, in layman's terms? Being able to use your core for what it was meant for, not what for what you want to look like. So the function of the core is all anti-directional patterns. So anti-flexion, anti-extension, anti-rotation, anti-side bend, so on and so forth. It's really to protect your spine. So you ever think of let's say it's a, it's an it's an icy day out and you you're walking on a street and you're kind of go off the street off the curb onto the street you slip and catch yourself right yes that's stabilization of the ankle joint and so on and, so on, and upstream as well but that core functioning had a brace set a you know relay that message down and tell the tell your body to kind of stabilize so everything's involved it isn't just one piece um, so my big thing is you know being able to properly engage your core right you know function you you know function your core at just basic levels, and then from there, um, patterns that avoid um, like rotation, uh, extension, flexion, side bend, all of these exercises that avoid those because those are basic core exercises. From there, once you've been properly educated in your your core can function properly. From there, then you can add the strength, the power development, and the stabilization, and all these other um, additives which we want in the long run. But it wouldn't make sense to do 1,000. Full range, like excessive flexion and extension crunches, because we're not necessarily training the, func- the, the function or the, uh, you know, what it's meant to do. We're just training the anatomy. We're looking at um, men's health, and I don't mean to bash men's health. I mean it's a great magazine that gets exercise out there. But, you know, in short, they put a guy on the cover with their six-pack flaring, and, and you know, it's people. Are like, oh, I want that too. Well, that's just the anatomy. That's what it looks like. But can yeah. you use it? Can you breathe? properly? Can you use your proper breathing muscles, your diaphragm and all these other muscles? Can you use those and then can you function your core? Can you tie the two and then can you add power and strength and all those things? So uh, to answer your question in short is I would say start at basic low-level planks because once you can do planks properly, which is an anti-extension exercise where you don't want to uh, round out or excessive lumbar flexion in the back, I'm sorry, extension, we want to be able to embrace, engage that core and then from there you can add so many other Uh, nuances in where it's, you know, alternating uh, plank reaches, whether it's plank um, dynamic slides, side planks, there's so many other variations, anti-rotation, palate presses, we can go on on and on and on, but my thing is you look at the majority of exercises, whether it's a bent-over row, whether it's a deadlift, whether it's a bench press, whether it's you go on and on, pull-ups, push-ups, your core, if you can engage your core properly, I always say engage your core like you're in a plank. We're not even doing a plank exercise. Engage your core like you're in a plank. TRX row. You ever see someone do a, a TRX row where their butt always, their hips sag? Like yeah. if you engage your core like you're in a plank, and if you squeeze your butt and everything, everything's turned on, those light switches are turned on, then you're going to have a much more higher success rate and lower rate of injury. So, planks are my go-to. Um, I'm not saying no to sit-ups and crunches, all the way because if you if you read um, Dr. Stuart McGill, one of the foremost, um, most respected uh, authors and professors on spine biomechanics up at Waterloo in Canada, I believe. He, you know, there's many times where he advocates, talks about, we can have flexion and extension. It's just, can you brace first and, and, and how much range are we using? As long as you're bracing and you're going within range that's, that's, that's not too excessive, then we're okay. So I'm not going to say don't do a bunch of crunches and sit-ups. I'm just going to say don't do a bunch of them at excessive ranges. Always engage your core and start simple at something like a plank because you can always branch off of that.
0: Oh, I I, I totally agree. I'm a huge fan of of, of planks. And um, whenever I – well, whenever this episode goes up, hopefully I I get off my lazy butt and have uh, the post up. But I'm actually working on on a great post for planks um, because I think too many people – trying to hold them out for like, I'm going to do it for 90 seconds. I'm going to do it for two minutes. Yeah. And you really, really don't need that because once you start trying to do that, then then things start sagging and other muscles get pulled in that don't need to be like, you literally can do it in 15 seconds. Uh, and I like to turn it into a video game reference. So if you're listening and you want to check it out, head over to the website and check out my Tetris Planks. Uh, and you only need them at the end of a workout two, three times a week, but yeah, I'm not a fan of a bunch of crunch. And I think that's the problem is that all of it, like you see those things or people go, Oh yeah, I do like 500 crunches a day. And you're like, okay, that's going to get me that six pack on that, on that, uh, on that magazine cover. But you're right. The transverse abdominus is going to make the six pack look bigger. You're going to breathe better. You're going to have better posture, um, you just don't see that muscle, so people don't train things you don't see. Yeah, it's so, it's that's so why true. guys are like biceps, biceps, biceps. Yeah. You know.
1: Well, that's that and that's the problem I think, and I, I don't I don't fault um, you know, the general public by any means because you know, I say to myself, look, like as educators, as trainers, as coaches, or you know, as professionals in the health and fitness field, are we doing or rather, can we do a better job at educating the people that don't know enough or don't know what to do properly. And so yeah. I never like fault, like people come in or I'll see people that was um, at my, at the commercial gym that I, I've been going to for probably 15, 16 years. Um, I haven't been there in a few months cause I'm primarily at my performance center now that I work at um, locally. Um, I would see so at, the, at, the, at this commercial gym, at just general commercial gym, you know, the 15, 20 bucks month type of gym, um, you know, over the years, You know the amount of times that I've I've seen people perform um, improper posture exercises or something where they're like I'm like look slow down because you're gonna hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. You know I put my music on, I put my head down, I walk the other way because quite literally I'll vomit in my mouth if I keep looking at it, and I mean that with um I'm trying to be I'm not trying to be funny but what I mean is there's so much better so many better ways we can help these people. It's just a matter of them wanting us to help them and us giving them the proper efficient information because i think there's so much stuff out there like the internet social media like there's so many things out there like for instance on instagram if you if you hashtag like fit fam or fitness or whatever like you'll get a multitude of different responses you'll see someone doing you know the weirdest exercises in the world right then you'll see someone like educating proper form it's such a wide spectrum so i think that no one's wrong and no one's right i think that if us as educators and teachers in the health and fitness industry, if we, um, you know, team up and be a team and come on the same page, which I think we should, and that's the kind of the, the missing hole is, in terms of um, you know us collectively agreeing on simple topics and ideas to educate the people that aren't in our field, there's a there's a there's a wide opening of uh, there's a wide gap where the communication is 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 lacking, and I think as the first thing we need to do is us as educators and teachers and, and trainers agree on things that can help and better the people that we're coaching and training and guiding. And then once that comes into play, um, then we can say, look, teach them, educate them, have seminars, have conferences, have continuing education workshops because as, you know, as mundane as these can be, like, Oh, I don't want to go learn. I know everything. Well, for every time you say, I know everything, the general public said, Oh, I know what I, I got it. I got it. I know. It. Well, you know, Ask your body how it feels. Say, hey, spine, how are you going to feel in 15, 20 years? Because the goal is to have longevity, to live a long, healthy, active, fun life. Well, if you're banging out a thousand excessive flexion and extension crunches and sit-ups and all these other various exercises that aren't really doing you – they're doing more harm than good, well, how is your body going to look in the long run? So I think that if we increase the level of education for these people and – and really take our time and have the patience to work with them and teach them the basics, we can build off of that and go many places. And I think that um, it also takes a matter of them understanding that, hey, look, we're not saying you're wrong. We're just saying there's a better way to do it. You know. So I've always learned that by providing people with options rather than forcing, you can always get a better result. Because if I say, look, we're at a buffet, you have about 15 options. Have whatever you want, man. Versus saying, hey, look, we're just having the steak. I love steak, but if I'm just having steak, but I have 15 other options and I'm forced to eat 1% options to eat the other ones, well, look, you know, sooner or later, I'm going to want to have the options. And Everyone loves options. They love to review what they, they can and can't do and should and shouldn't do, and then from there, they'll choose accordingly yeah. rather than saying, hey, force feeding. That never works. It never works in any field. So that's kind of yeah, kind of my I, take on it.
0: I agree. I, I think the hardest thing for so many of us, and like you said, you just put your headphones on and kind of – And kind of walk away is there. uh, There's this weird. And a friend of mine apologized once because he sent me a Facebook message after I posted a video of uh, of a deadlift PR. And he's like, "Look, I'm sorry. I don't mean to break the bro code. Um, You know, like the secret code of don't say anything to anyone in the gym when they're doing something they shouldn't be." Yeah. Uh, And I was like, "No, I want you to do that." Yeah. Uh, but i think you're right just saying like one tip like sometimes i'll be in the gym and i've given people uh, you know i saw a guy doing barbell shrugs once and i was like hey i'm just gonna throw this out there try this go over to the smith machine and just do it on one side and just shrug with one arm and you'll get a way better workout you know with with that than you will just you know with a barbell um and he came back to me like two weeks later and he was like dude that's amazing He was like i've gotten so much better at doing that and like i feel like i can see a better definition in my traps um you know so even just little things you know just i i am with you on that um but but you said you know for so many of us who are seasoned and are in the gym all the time we're like i know everything i've got this i don't need any advice uh and we all fall guilty to that i think everyone um so and so many of us are like oh i've got a squat i got a deadlift I got a bench. I got an overhead press. I got to do these big, heavy exercises, and I got to pound it. I got to pound it. And we forget to take care of ourselves, and then we start to get a little achy in the joints as our years go on. So what is one piece of mobility that you think even seasoned lifters should always include in their workouts? Yeah, great question. Yeah, yeah, no,
1: definitely. Yeah, great question. So. Um, one thing or one analogy, because I love analogies that I'll say is, and I learned this from the physical therapist I worked under at the clinical setting, was if you, know, you had a wall and you had a person, right? Would, would it make sense for that person to continually bang their head off the wall repeatedly, nonstop, even after it start, their head started bleeding? And I would, hope, I would hope the general public would say no. So why does it make sense to beat the crap out of your body? It's it's the same scenario. So um, in terms of mobility, what we need most, I think, um, I believe the study, there's a statistic and research that says roughly 80% of the population, at one point or another in their lifetime, goes through some sort of spine um, injury or setback or just something, to, you know, some sort of um, pathology where it's like, you know, what your your lower back's hurting because of X, Y, and Z. Yep. 80% is, is a very high statistic. It's a very high rate. So I say, you know, there's probably so many reasons why it could happen. There's a multitude of reasons, but I would say this. the Probably one of the top reasons, not number one, number two, but probably somewhere near the top is you look at our society as a whole and we sit, the majority of us, sit down at, at a desk for a nine-to-five job. What does that do to our lower back? Okay, we have a huge statistic and we have a, a position. We spend most of our days in roughly eight hours, sometimes nine or ten, right? Yeah. And I say, okay. Well, if you're sitting down, that puts the hips, the psoas, the anterior aspect of the, of the hip, the front of the hip, really into an, a, an excessive amount of flexion. What that the analogy I use is: imagine um, you know a structure being pulled on, pulled on, pulled on with all these straps and, and 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 these wires pulled on, cranked on, and it hanging there for eight to ten hours a day, and then you get up from it. And you're glued into those positions. Well, your back is, your lower back especially, is not going to be happy. So the number one thing I say is open up your hips. So, you know, you'll see you'll walk into a gym, every gym, and you'll see it. You'll see people with foam rollers now, because that's the that's become a new fad in the last five or ten years, which it has its benefits for sure. Um, and you'll see people foam rolling, and they will doing, they're taking a half kneeling um, stance or position on the ground and open up their hips. But what you'll see is when they're doing it. They take a knee, they take one foot, they bring it all the way forward. They bring their back foot all the way back, laces down, and they'll go into excessive extension, really lean into, and kind of hang out in their in their hip capsule. So what we're doing there is we're really just hanging out in the ligamentous and, and everything that's attaching, you know, the, the bony structures and whatnot and the anatomy. We're not really getting as much musculature, the anterior aspect as we really should be getting. So I'd say. And there, there are a few, uh, a few posts where I go over this, how to do it properly with videos and, and explanations and demonstrations and whatnot. But taking a simple half-kneeling uh, quadricep hip flexor stretch where you bury your front heel into the ground, knee over foot, your back foot, that knee is slightly within an inch or two behind that back uh, hip, and that back toe is in the ground to keep that super fascial line that runs from the back of our head all the way down to behind our Achilles, on that, that stretch on which grabs the musculature of course as well and then once we have that there that better allows us to engage that back glute which in turn if you think the glutes behind that front interior aspect is the hip it allows it to be stretched if you if you shorten or contract one the other one has to lengthen and uh you know go through a stretch it just it, to me it, it's simple it makes sense i think easy for people to understand so if you gently squeeze that backside glute it automatically opens up the hip for the majority of the population, they'll feel this right away. They'll feel this right away. They don't have to move forward at all. But for the people that don't feel this right away, you need to first engage engage the backside, the glute, get that front uh, stretch in the front of the hip, and then from there, make sure that pelvic that 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 pelvis uh, alignment that you're currently in, maintain the integrity of it, and just gently shift forward, not rock forward. Keep that and just shift forward about. You may need an inch or two, a couple inches, and then from there, you'll feel a lot of action going on. I'd say the most simplistic stretch is to open up our hips. From there, I'll say take a lacrosse ball or just to start off with something softer, take a tennis ball and roll up the bottom of your feet. Unglue your feet. And there are no right or wrong ways to do this. There's many aspects to the bottom of your feet. You have the toes, you have the, the planter, the, the lateral, the medial side, the, the heel, so on and so forth. There's no right or wrong way. Hold on to something, balance with your other leg, roll it out the whole the whole thing for a minute aside, and once you're ready, go to a lacrosse ball. I would say those two, along with getting some extension in your life in your thoracic spine or your mid back, like yeah. below your shoulder blades, I think those three are the most primary things we need to do on a daily basis. So, unglue the bottom of your feet, open up your hips with a stretch, and thoracic extension. This is tying off of the properly engaging your core. So I think really those four things in terms of mobility, really the the thoracic, uh, the, the front hip and the foot are the most important, at least for the general population on a very generic, basic uh, foundation of saying it.
0: Oh, that, that hip flexor stretch, uh, I have to do probably four or five times in the day because uh, yeah. I, I, I sit at a desk for like – eight hours and then about thirty minutes at lunch, I'm sitting in the lunchroom. We're like fifteen. I usually just like throw my food in my mouth because then I'm like, I gotta, I gotta I gotta take a walk. I gotta get outside. Yep. Um uh, that it's cold and I don't like walking in the cold. I don't care how my Viking blood that flows through my body might enjoy it. No, 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 no. Yeah. Um but uh yeah it that definitely helps and if you you're right if you squeeze the glute if you just most people just sit there and they just kinda sit back. And they don't really squeeze the glute. but if you squeeze that glute, you you will feel it relax. And it is a fantastic feeling when it just when your hip flexor kind of relaxes in the front. And you're like, oh man, my, my back pain seems to kind of be going away. Yep. Uh, that's 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 actually that's a great point. Um, and I think that's one thing a lot of lifters don't do is we get so good at open or we don't open our hips very much. Um, because if we are sitting at desks and even bloggers, you know, you're still sitting there, you're still doing all of that. You're, you're, you're shortening that, that muscle. Um, and most of the time, most people probably just foam roll or go in and go straight to lifting and don't really open up their hips. And, uh, it's going to cause a lot of issues later in life when you can't walk. <laughs> Y'all trust um, me. Oh yeah. yeah. You see it, man. But speaking, speaking of foam rollers, um, so my wife, Awesome Christmas gift this year. Bought me a foam roller uh, all Christmas day. I just sat there and foam rolled uh, and she got me some lacrosse balls Um, and one they work both well as a tandem, but let's say you could only have one for the rest of your life. Which one would you choose? Your body. (laughs) Seriously. I would, I mean, if I was pushed
1: to pick one, I would say lacrosse ball or something that's denser than a foam roller for the okay. people that can't – so I guess – let me back up. So this is a very open-ended question. I'm going to try to answer as best I can. So okay. we have people in our world who have – we're speaking soft tissue specifically here. So people right. in our world who when they go on a on – like the levels of foam roll, I believe the – I think Perform Better sells when one that's white, which is like, the, it's like a pillow to me at least. And then there's the black one, which is like the elite, which I use sometimes. And then like you can up it and do like the grids or like the ones where it's a PVC pipe with a carpet, the different levels. So in terms of like which one I had to choose, well, I would say <laughs> it, it, it's all relative. It depends on the person. So I would yeah. say if you're someone who like, you know, oh, my God, like so, it's like your, your musculature is very sensitive and your soft tissue is like really soft, not dense. You're not really uh, toned, so to speak, and you can't – you know, it's too much. I would say go light and um, pick pick the foam roller. Stay with the foam roller. But if you're someone who can handle the kind of upper echelon of soft tissue work, where it's the black elite foam roller or something denser, where it's a PVC pipe and a rug or PVC pipe alone, then I would say in that regard, go to a lacrosse ball. Go to something that's smaller, much more dense, and allows you to get into little pockets and areas and angles where you could not get into with the foam roller. So if you're... If you're LeBron James, get a dense lacrosse ball. And I use LeBron James because he's like a high-end athlete. But right. by no means am I saying I'm just a fan of him. Like if you're an avid, if you're one end of the spectrum, use the denser lacrosse ball. If you're on the other end of the spectrum, there's no shame in it. We want to be able to work with your capacity and your ability. Use the use a foam roller, and okay. then kind of from there, what I, what I like to do is just you know, we simply talk about like what. Well, the first thing I said was your body, and I mean that because what I meant to say by that is you, you should be able to do everything you do with soft tissue work, not in the same way, but understand like, okay, if I'm going to roll up my quad, right, do I have the ability to essentially open up and break up that scar tissue with just mobilizations and movement? Because us as humans, we were born to move. Look at cavemen. You Look at how we've evolved. We want movement. So I love the foam roller. I've been known to bring a foam roll and a crossbar with me like to many places, and I'm that weirdo who kind of rolls out in the corner or does movements <laughs> in the corner. So I, I'm, I'm on board with the foam roll. I'm cool. I just – over the last six to, six to eight months, I've tried to um, lessen my usage of the foam roll and soft tissue work, not because I don't need it but because I want to learn more in terms of just human movement and understanding the human body and be able to do what I can do with one object as well as my body and that's kind of where I'm at now but I mean I'm all encompassing so I'll use foam roll lacrosse ball my body but you know again one in the spectrum use the lacrosse ball that's denser one in the spectrum that's um, lower level use a, a soft foam roll and then try to use your body more so
0: okay all right. um, I, I typically use it just like as a quick little warm-up um, you know at the beginning and then at the end just kind of help with the recovery aspect or at yeah. least what I think is helping with recovery maybe it's not um, but Damn, if it doesn't feel good after a heavy squat day to just roll on that IT band. Because oh, I feel like the next day, again, it could be placebo, but I feel like the next day I don't feel <laughs> as as sore or, or as hurt. But when it comes to recovery, um, you know, and, and stuff like lacrosse balls or foam rolling or, or extra stretching, like what do you do with clients that, that actually can help promote recovery? Or what do you suggest that they do? Yeah, Besides no, going home and eating, you know,
1: of course. Yeah, good question. Um, I think I think you just kind of said it right there. So I think the common misconception, not that it's bad, but people will only foam roll or only do mobility or recovery drills at the beginning and or at the end. Which those are like those are prime times to do it. Those are great. But why can't we do it in between and inter intertwined like with our exercises? That's the question I ask. So it's funny, like this will kinda come this will kind of culminate and combine to everything we talked about. The performance center I work at now, it's sports performance-based. Um, there's also a CrossFit inside. But there's also a heavy amount of athletic development with athletes and sports performance. And the one thing that ties into everything, which is literally what I believe in stand for injury prevention and recovery. That's sprinkled everywhere. Kind of like that Frankfurt hot sauce commercial, the commercial, yeah. it's sprinkled everywhere in a very positive way. So what we do, and, and my philosophy is what I believe in, is kind of it it goes hand in hand is you know, Let's say we have someone doing just a regular goblet squat um, right in front, barbell, dumbbell in front, going down, goblet squat, you know, anterior loaded. Why not get a hip external rotation uh, mobility drill in between? Because if you think about it, we're trying to externally rotate the hips when we're getting into that, into that deep hole position in the squat. We want to push those knees out, load up the hips, externally rotate. And then why not optimize that position with a mobility drill or a foam rolling drill that can enhance and optimize the position we're trying to own, in a sense, like Charlie Weingroff talks about owning the position. Why can't we do that movement to own the position that we want in the, in the lift? So I say in between, we can foam roll, do soft tissue work, mobility drills, uh, prehab and rehab drills, recovery drills, and going on uh, postural uh, technique drills, that, and especially breathing as well, where why not do them in between because it's going to enhance the lift or the exercise like right away, not just tomorrow or the day after. So that's kind of my take on it. Okay. All
0: right. So I always do some fun questions and then go back to a a couple more serious questions there, uh, here at the end, as we, we wind down, uh, the podcast. What song is your guilty pleasure that's on your workout mix that you would, uh, Shamefully admit to people is on your workout mix. Shamefully admit. Okay,
1: so, <laughs> so that song by um, what is it called? Oh, uh, blank space. I think blank space. Blank is that what it's called? Blank space by um, Taylor Swift. I love it. <laughs> I don't know why. I just I don't know why it's on my. I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it. it's on my song list. Love it. Another song that's on my song list that I'm not ashamed of at all, and like it's kind of it's different for me because I'm not really into this music, but I really like it. Is um, how does it go? It's that song, like "Take Me to Church," like something like that. Like
0: Jose, oh, day? day?
1: Yeah, I, that song. Like if I'm going for a heavy lift or heavy squat or something, where I'm like, okay, let's amp up real quick. Boom, I'm in there. Like I'll put that on, and I'm like, I just get into a zone. And it's it's uh, it's a at least for me, it's a, it's a really good um, uh, really good gym song. But yeah, in terms of something that you probably wouldn't expect from me, I'd say that blank space song, and okay. with no shame whatsoever at all.
0: I, I I've got to experiment. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. because Knuckles Knuck, Greg Knuckles has said that uh, Katy Perry and Taylor Swift are like his go-to lifting songs, and if that helps him lift like five six hundred pounds, oh, yeah. maybe I need to just do it and let the rage let the rage against the machine sit to the side for, for a bit. <laughs> uh, no, that that Jose song is is really really great. Uh, it's yeah. a fantastic album as well. Um, oh, yeah. I actually was into that song and album like six months before it got released. And people started making it popular, and I'm like, what? That was all my wife. It's like wedding mix. Like, what are you talking about? This is I'm like six months old now. Um, yeah, but it's that's that's a good one. All right. So you were a, a lifelong Bostoner. So I'm assuming you're a Red Sox and a Patriots fan, correct? Yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: I mean, I, I'm a huge sports fan in general. Um, you know, I love the Sox. Love the Patriots. They just won. You know, go pass. Right. Obviously, um, right. I'm not a diehard fan in any particular sport. Like by any means, I just root for the home team. I love Boston sports. I think. Um, like, we're some of the, like, most, like, passionate fans in the world.
0: I think everyone so, will say that. So when it I when I comes know. to being a passionate fan, who, like, if, if around town, who would get more, like, crazy fans excited that they were walking down the street? Big Poppy or Tom Brady? Oh, Tom Brady, hands down. I like really? Big
1: Poppy. I love Big Poppy, But Tom Brady has, like, he's got everything going on. He's in magazines. He's in, like, you know. I don't even know if he's in commercials for Under Armour or Hogs or the other millions of of sponsors he has, but um, like he he's the guy. He's like you know he smiles, he winks that eye. Like people are going nuts for him. He, that's just who he is. Poppy, you know he's big Poppy. He's lovable. He's a teddy bear. Everyone loves him. I mean, I think both are highly revered, but you know Tom Brady is. That's Tom. That's that's terrific that's, Tom. You know? That's
0: interesting because all my friends in Boston are like, oh, no, you it's Red Sox everywhere. You don't ever – like rarely do you see a Patriots jersey. And I'm like, what? Really? And and every time I've been there, they've kind of been true that like I've yeah. seen more Red Sox. Today. Oh, you will. You will. Yeah, like the Sox,
1: I think the Red Sox as, a, as, a, as an organization, like in terms of who wears the most jerseys and hats, oh, hands down number one. Yeah. But in terms of like which Boston athlete – I mean unless Larry Bird came to town. <laughs> uh, Ted Williams. I mean, I'd I, I have to say when you see Tom it's like wow, like your jaw probably drops, like, oh my god, that's Tom. You know, like I don't by no means disrespect it to to you know, Big Pop I love Big Poppy. I think yeah. he's a man, but I just think from my perspective, what I what I can see, like people will go bananas a little more so high on the Richter scale than uh, than Big Poppy. Hope he's not okay. doing this by any means. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I I if he does, uh thank you for listening, sir. Um please yeah. Tweet me on Twitter so I can get a million more followers. Um, so what is what is your biggest struggle? Like what, uh, whether when it's to to stay on track with diet, is there a certain food that just like throws your macros out the window? Um, is there is there a, a something that, that you struggle with every day that you have to to work hard to overcome? I love food,
1: man. I uh, I'm obsessed <laughs> with food, and um, you know I don't like binge, but like. <laughs> Peanut butter is my favorite food in the world. I always say to people, if you were stranded on an island and you had to pick one item of food, like what would it be? People are like, oh, like pizza, but you can do so many different varieties. Oh, like you know subs. I'm like, I just want a tub of peanut butter and milk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, anyway, I, peanut butter is my favorite. So, what I would say to make this um, relatable and applicable to the people listening is, you know, we all have our arch nemesis. We all have our food. We're like, oh, like I love it, but I know I can't. Well, hell no! Don't say you can't. Um, Jill Coleman of Jill Fit she's, she's kind of in the same circle as Nagar Fanuni, Jen Sink on all those highly popular yeah. fitness women in our field she talks about I believe it's like 85 or, or no I'm sorry 90% of the time she eats 100% healthy and 10% yeah. of the time she'll indulge and she talks about um, when she indulges I believe it's something uh, around the lines of you know okay you have a chocolate bar or a protein bar right have a bite and put it down right And say to yourself, hey, you know, do I still want to continue having the rest of that or do I want to save it for later? And I think we can all look at that type of example, that scenario and say, you know what, do this, do it, do something similar with your, you know, your caloric intake, what you're eating, what you're, you know, put it in your body, your nutrition. I'd say, you know, you know what's good or what's bad and you know what's going to help, what's not going to help you. The stuff that's not going to help you, don't eliminate them. Just yeah. have them in smaller amounts and plan them, like plan when you're going to have them, versus right. just ah oh, binging. Like if you, like every Sunday, my mother and I, we make like the protein and vegetables for the week, for at least at least for the f- first few days, because uh, I have two brothers, and we're animals in the house, so we eat everything. But yeah. at least at least Monday through Wednesday we're covered. So we'll prep, you know, bins of uh, you know uh, chicken breast, um, you know avocado, tomatoes. You know, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, asparagus, and all these things that were, are healthy for us, and you know that's going to help us in the long run, energy-wise, right. um, you know, our brain functioning-wise, efficiency, whatnot. And then you know, throughout the week, I'll be honest with you. Like, I'll, If I want to have chocolate or something sweet, I'll go to Whole Foods. I'll buy like – I think it's like 89 cents for like a, like a little – one or two bites of, of a dark chocolate um, you know, little, 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 uh, little bar, a little bite. And during the end of the week, Friday night into Saturday and Sunday – I'll I'll choose a couple or maybe a few meals where I'm like you know what I'm not going to throw everything out the window and say screw it but I'm going to enjoy myself I'm going to have that cheeseburger that I've been dying to have all week yeah and I'm going to have that slice of pizza but I'll do so in moderation and I'll also do so with the the healthy mindset in the back of my mind saying hey look enjoy this but don't go over the deep end and I think you know getting a cheeseburger with an avocado on it bacon and a fried egg versus getting A cheeseburger with you know all those things and a bun, I feel a little bit better of myself. I don't get the bun. Is it? It's just my rationale and how I look at things. Right. But then I'll move on and say, you know what? And uh, because because I followed John Romaniello for quite some time now, and I read his um, engineering the Alpha book. um, The whole thought of intermittent fasting has kind of taken its role in my life, and you know I'll go through probably anywhere from four to five days a week where I'll fast. And I'll do you know those sixteen eights, um, yeah. pop, popularized by I think it was named Mark Behrens, I believe and
0: uh, yeah.
1: Martin Burke. Martin I apologize. Yep. So that's kind of my look at it. So kind of the 90-10 rule that Jill Fit, uh, Jill Coleman of Jill Fit talks about. Eat one hundred percent clean ninety percent of the time and ten percent and ten percent of what you want like that portion of the time. But again, the big thing is, don't be so so strict to the point where you become OCD.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I have a good friend who um, the, the guy is probably one, of, I, he, probably one of the smartest and wisest guys uh, I know. Um, and he was like, look, I view it like this. You know, everything in moderation, including moderation. Yep. You know, like you you can eat those things in, in moderation, but sometimes let yourself have them go a little over and don't hate yourself for it. Um, and I think that's important. So the last thing I want to talk about is your most recent article, which I thought, uh, it, it meant a lot for me as someone who's just gotten their, their certification to be a trainer. Um, and I, I, I saved it on my note three in, in my little scrapbook to go back and read. Um, but it's seven things new trainers, you know, should know, but I had an, an interesting thought cause I thought it fit in more than just for trainers. So can you apply those things and those concepts to, to people who are not trainers, can people apply it to their everyday life? And if you don't mind, real quick, just kind of go over those seven things. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, yeah. Um, I, I, I definitely think we could because
1: if you think about it, right, <clears throat> you know, the, the health and fitness field, it isn't just, you know, it isn't just in our field. Because the whole thing that John Romaniello talked about with, yeah. you know, the personal side, the training side, yeah. we need to have more of a personal we need to be able to reach people on a personal level and have all those simple simple human traits. So as i'm kind of you know delving back to these these seven things and the topic is called you know seven things every young health and fitness professional should know and why i think you know number 1 was creating a powerful mindset. And you know what i mean by that is you know find what what motivates you. What allows you to reach a point where like you know what I'm powerful. I my mindset is clear, and I can deliver based on what I believe in and you know what I stand for. It doesn't matter what field you're in. So, an example I, I talk about is I, I'm a huge fan of Eric Thomas. Um, if if people out there haven't heard of them, they they might be you know living under a rock somewhere because if you can't get motivated by like 10 seconds of, of this guy speaking, then there, there, there's something going on. There. There's something wrong. You know that's who I use. That's kind of He's kind of – he. that's that's what lights my fire. That's what gets me going. And all I need is about 30 seconds, 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds. That's all I need. And for everyone, it's different. And I think Elliot Hulse is someone who talks about kind of getting into that that like that fired-up mode real quickly but honing it in and shortening it, not having to put yeah. a song on for five minutes and go like hoorah-rah and get all crazy. Hone it in. Get Create a mindset where it's strong. I'm not saying you need to go and scream and yell and get – all powerful. I mean, like inner power. Like, because if you're in our field or in any field, if you have the inability to create a mindset and a, and a motivational, you know, setting for yourself, how can you expect others to believe in what you're saying and doing? Doesn't matter what we're talking about, whether it's health, fitness, you know, anything, any any other field. So that's kind of what I mean by that. Um, I mean, I'll jump to number two. So number two talks about, you know, practicing movement routinely on a routine basis so you know i'll tie this into in everyone really it doesn't just you know in our field what are you doing in terms of just movement i'm not talking you have i'm not saying you have to go to the gym every day i mean just general movement are you walking are you taking the stairs are you you know are you riding the bike to work rather than taking a car are you taking the dog for the walk after dinner are you doing and practicing and exercising and, and, and utilizing movement as something to, you know, not only decrease the stresses in your life and all this kind of, you know, we're always going in our life. Why not take a moment, get a breath of fresh air, and go for a walk? Something where it's going to enhance your movement. And I think doing those things outside of the gym setting will enhance what you do inside of the gym setting. And that's a a big thing I think people miss on a lot of. Um, Number three, I talked about, you know, just building strong relationships. And I think this is probably the most important um, the most important one that I, I wrote on there um, and I mean that because I've deliberately spent the past three years going above and beyond and out of my way to literally reach out to every human possible like everyone possible in this field and not in this field that I that I believe is doing something great and and, and is better than me and that I want to uh, you know try to be like and, and, and try to pick up some of what they're doing, learn what they're doing and I think, us as humans, we like we should want that like that willingness to learn about others. Hey, like you know, I want to learn like what, what like what is your life like? What 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 have you done to get where you are? And just understanding people, I think, I you do know, just being a human being, like taking the time to put the phone down, and put our social media down. <laughs> and I, Andy, hey man, like I'm a creature of habit. Like I'll, I, I'm a culprit. I do it myself. But I think yeah. sometimes. Yeah. I'll say to my girlfriend, hey, like, like take my phone, put it in your pocketbook. Like, I, I just want to talk and like catch up with you or just maybe be with anyone, not just girlfriends, like people in our lives. Like let's like sit down, like let me grab 10 minutes of your time and how's your day going? What have you been up to? What, what are your goals right now? What are you trying to do in life? Like, how was your workout? You know, you know, how's work going for you? Just all those things, like just building relationships. And I think uh, Martin Rooney um, is, is the one who talks about you are most like the five people you surround yourself with. Yep. So I really took a, a liking to that, and I said, you know what? I'm going to surround myself with Peter that, people that are better than me, people that I can learn from and grow you know, and develop from utilizing and, and connecting with them and, and just becoming a better overall person. That's kind of what I, I meant by that. Um, jumping on to number four, <laughs> I think it's getting enough sleep, and I think you'll hear a variety of different responses here. And How many hours should you sleep? How many hours shouldn't you sleep? what's right, what's wrong, all I'll say is this, and I'll refer to um, Mark, Mark Verstegen out in Arizona. Um, he, his performance center is called Athletes Performance Institute, now known as EXOS. Um, it's what I call the gold standard in our field of sports performance and just yeah. overall human performance and health. Um, in his most recent book called Every Day is Game Day, um, he discussed the fact that you know our brain and our mind likes routine. So right. if you're someone who wakes up you know, – let's say you have 6 a.m. clients. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's say – to better relate to people not in our field. Let's say you have 8 a.m. You have to be at work every single morning. You're probably attuned to the fact that your body wants to wake up roughly around maybe let's say 6, 6.30 to probably get ready, catch the train, so on and so forth. So right. 6, 6.30 is your ballpark. If you deliberately sleep in for 10, 11, 12 hours on Saturday morning and you wake up like midday, I'm going to guarantee you – I don't care who you are. You're still going to feel sluggish because yep. your body is not used to that pattern, that routine. What I will say is this. If you want to sleep in and get a little extra rest, try out napping. Try out a power nap. 15, 20 minutes is all you need. You'll feel re reenergized, re-energized, rejuvenated right after. Also, sleep in. But again, like you said, everything in moderation, including moderation. moderation so sleep in right. like an hour or two extra. And that's great. That's fine. You won't feel sluggish. I know many people on a personal basis who I will not say names or talk about who they are or how I'm related to them or whatnot, but these people, these individuals who I know and, and just everyone in general, oh, I'm going to sleep in tomorrow. I got my day off. Great. Sleep in. But don't overdo it because I guarantee you you're going to feel sluggish. Your body needs that routine or something close to that routine. Right. I think getting enough sleep in terms of mental capacity brain functioning and efficiency like we need those in in terms of being able to work at a high rate um that's kind of where i where i kind of pulled from from there um the number five is accepting change um i think that I, i i mean i think this can really relate to anyone in any field understanding the fact that not everything is going to turn out the way you expect it. Like you have a a board and I'm looking at mine right now behind this computer screen. I have a board of goals. I have a five and a 10 year plan with every specific goal labeled out. Do I want that line to go straight? Of course we all Uh, we all do. But I say, you know what? I'm okay with the fact that if I have to jump three steps ahead, jump two back, jump 10 ahead, then jump five back. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the fact that, you know, I'm gonna fail multiple times. I'm okay yeah. with that. I, I am I'm human. I'm not perfect, and I don't ever want to be perfect. And a, a good friend of mine, her name is Stacy Shadler uh, of Stacy Shadler Strength. She's local in Boston. Uh, very good trainer. She talks about her her kind of her line is progress and not perfection. And I think that really should resonate and ring bells with people because where we shouldn't compare ourselves with. You know, oh, I'm better than so and so. No, I'm better than I was yesterday. Um, you know, I'm 1% better, like Todd Durkin talks about, like 1% better every day. And I think people should understand that, accept failure, accept that things are going to change and be okay with it and be able to just roll the punches and take a curveball once in a while. So that's kind of, you know, what I meant by that. Uh, my last two, and, and, I'll, and I'll be quick here, um, you know, I think this definitely piggybacks off the previous one of accepting change is, um, is being open minded. Being open-minded, understanding that you know you cannot progress in life, you cannot progress in your field of work, and in, in terms of learning, if you have this view, if you have a skewed, very right. narrow view, open up your lens, open up your eyes, open up your mind, and be understanding that you know things will change, and you need to have an open mind to the the fact that things will change, and that you know something new that you didn't know yesterday might drop on your lap. How you react to that may directly affect the next five years of your life in your terms of development professionally in your field. And, um, you know, the last one, number seven, um, I saw this picture of no, – I'm sorry. I heard this video. It was on on Instagram on one of my buddies posted a video of Will Smith being interviewed, and it was a while back because he looked much younger. Yeah. He's, still, he's still a stallion, but he looked, he looked much younger. And he was discussing the fact that something about, you know, building – You know, a building doesn't just occur in one day. It takes you know constant laying of the bricks and constant, consistent work at it. So I was like, you know what? Like, let me look up the whole video. And I actually listened to the whole. There's actually there's a series of them on YouTube. And the one I caught was about the fact that when he was young with his brother, he and his little brother, his uh, the father, like, I don't know what industry they were in, but something along the fact that he was building a wall, and he would go out to school every single day. He and his brother and and help you know dig the whole you know. Start building the wall. Building the wall every day. I think it for roughly a year. I mean, I may be off there, but let's just say a year for argument's sake. And every day, just building the wall. Building the wall until it was complete. And his father walked in and said, "You know what? It can be done. It just takes time." So I yeah. think that you know, us understanding that it's a process and that you need to remain consistent. That's the key. Number seven is remaining consistent. Go in every day. Do what you do. Do what you love. Have passion. You know, have excitement and have high energy. But be consistent. Understand that, you know, if you want to overreach one day, understand that tomorrow you need to keep up with that and be consistent and work efficiently. Don't work yourself to, to to the like, you know, all the way through where you've lost all your energy. But stay consistent on your path and understand that it's a long-term goal. The road's going to be long, but if you can stay consistent on that path, it'll be worth it in the long run. And and my goal with all of that is just to. Reach out to not only health and fitness professionals, but just say, you know what, like I'm not perfect. I've messed up millions of times. I've failed millions of times. But here are seven things, at least, that have helped me along the way that may, may be able to help you as well.
0: Awesome. Well, Matt, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. If people want to know more about you, where can they find you online in the social sphere uh, or, or anywhere else? Yeah, definitely. So um, if you
1: visit mobility101blog.com, you'll see my website my online you know training my my services and and you know my blog as well um if you go on twitter and um at sign mobility underscore 101 i'll be there instagram i'm there as well matthew ibrahim facebook i'm there as well matthew ibrahim and as well as facebook my professional page is mobility 101
0: awesome well i have enjoyed uh chatting with you today uh and and getting to know you a little more than uh than just your facebook profile Uh, (laughs) um But uh, yeah, I think mobility is is a key to anyone who's who's exercising, and I think it's something that we often forget because um, we all go in and we get super excited about lifting heavy weight, but kind of forget that you know there there are things we need to do and little drills we can do to kind of help make our lives a little better for later on as we get a little older, so that we're not you know 65 and with a physical therapist wondering well what what happened all those years ago. Uh, but, but yeah, and it's a big thing for me because I do sit at a desk all day. So uh, I do some of those little things. And, and uh, since, unfortunately, Americans tend to sit for that long and sitting is killing us, it's a good idea to find little things we can do to make our, our lives a little better. So, Matt, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Guys, please go check him out. Uh, and he has a great, great, great website with lots of great posts. I'll put plenty of them in the show notes as well. So, Matt, thank you for coming on. Thank you, thank you a lot. I really appreciate it, and hopefully, um,
1: I could I, I could have helped some people out there. So thanks again, and uh, I look forward to continued uh, talking to you and, and uh, seeing where you're at, and kind of continuing our our friendship. So
0: thank you, sir. Thank
1: you.